Well, uh, if you're visiting with us this morning, I want to extend a special welcome to you. We're glad that you're here. We really are. And uh, we hope that you will become part of the Chillicothe Bible Church family. Um, and we don't use that word lightly around here. We mean that. Um, we want you to be part of the people that, that uh, are family by adoption, as, if you will, uh, our brothers and sisters. Uh, today, we are continuing our study through the parables, parables of Jesus. We're not telling all of them, but many of them we've looked at over the last few months. And today, we're in one of the more well-known parables of Jesus, the parable of the talents, which is found in Matthew chapter 25, uh, beginning in verse 14. And so I invite you to turn there with me. And as you do, let me ask you a question. Here it is. What are you giving your life for? Everybody's got a certain amount of life to spend. Everybody's spending it on something. What are you giving your life for? And then a follow-up question to that is this one. Is what you're giving your life for worth it? Is it worth it? Every one of us is spending our life. Every, uh, every day we make a withdrawal of 24 hours. We get to spend that allotment of 24 hours on something. And how we choose to spend the day that we're given and what we accumulate along the way tells us about what we're really living our lives for and what we're spending it on and where we're hoping on top of that to find our joy. Because all of us are what we're really searching for, isn't it? There's something in life to give us joy. And what we spend our time, what we spend our money on, uh, tells us very quickly where we're hoping to find our joy. And I want to encourage you to find your joy in the Master and in serving him today as we look at this parable. So uh, if you are there at this point, I want to read with you on uh, the parable of the talents beginning in Matthew uh, chapter 25, verse 14. And if you're able, if you would stand with me as I read. This is what the Word of God says. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. And then he went away. He had received the five talents, went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more, but he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them, and he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents here. I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. 
His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed, so I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's pray. Father, we read this story and we immediately know in part what it means. And we pray that you would not let us become worthless servants. Father, help us to understand what your word is saying to us and to not only understand it, but to put it in practice, to obey it, to devote our lives to you. And Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, if you look carefully at verse 14, uh, it begins uh, with the word for, and this is drawing a conclusion, and then the next word is the word it. What's it? Well, to find out, you've got to go back to chapter 25 and verse 1 uh, and understand that Jesus is talking about the coming of his kingdom. Uh, what is the coming of the kingdom like? It's like a master who entrusted his property to his servants before going on a long journey. In other words, Jesus is telling his disciples, look, guys, I'm going to be going away for a long time. And I am entrusting everything that is mine to you. And while I am gone, um, you know, I will expect you to carry out the mission that I gave you with the resources I have provided. And this should not be a surprising news to us. We know this to be true, right? We know that after Jesus' death, that he ascended into heaven, and he'll be coming back from there at some point in the future. And in the meantime, he's given us a commission, uh, a great commission, in fact, to go into all the world and make disciples. Amen? This, is, this, is, this ought to be relatively basic, understandable stuff. Um, and we also have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit uh, who has given us various kinds and numbers of gifts to enable us to carry out the mission that we've been given as our Master is away. Are you with me so far? All right. Say amen. Okay. I know this is white church, but you can do it. <laughs> okay. Um, so look together now at how the gifts are distributed. In verse 14, we read that, or uh, verse 15 rather, we read that the master gave five talents to one servant and two talents to another and one talent to the last servant. Now, in the ancient world, a talent is not an ability. That's actually 
an idiomatic use of this of this uh, this word that comes uh, through our English Bibles. Actually, it's I was in the Bible first, and then it came over as an idiom as an idiom for an, a, a gift or an ability. But in in the ancient world, a talent is a monetary unit. It's a weight. Uh, it's approximately 75 pounds of precious metal. It is equal to um, it is equal to 6,000 denarii. Now, in case you're a little light on your ancient monetary, uh, let me fill you in. A denarii is a Roman coin, and it's it's the the standard day's wages for a skilled laborer. Okay, so six thousand denarii. I know this is this is church, not math class, but but hang with me here because this is important. Six thousand denarii equals a equals a talent. Okay, for those who are paying attention, six thousand days wages. If you work five days a week, that is twenty five years worth. Of money that you would earn at 25 years. Okay? In other words, that's a chunk. If you make 40 grand in a year, 25 years, you make a million dollars. So the guy who gets one talent gets a lot of money. And we all agree a million dollars is a lot of money. Now, it's not as much as it used to be. But it's still a pile, amen. Uh, I, you know, if I ever had a million dollars, I think I'd get it like in dimes and fill a swimming pool with it. I think that would be fun, right? Uh, <laughs> but it would—it's a lot of money. Even the guy who gets the least gets a bunch. So the guy who gets the least gets twenty-five years' wages. The guy who gets uh, the the middle amount, he gets fifty years. Wages, an entire lifetime's worth, in other words. And the guy who uh, gets five talents, he gets 125 years' wages. 60,000 days' wages. That's a lot. Two and a half lifetimes' worth. That's a bunch. And on top of that, the master is therefore someone who must be wealthy beyond imagination, right? This guy is obviously a multi-millionaire in our terms. And he distributes the gifts according to the abilities of his servants, which he knows. Now, how many people have somebody that works for them that they would willingly entrust a million dollars? And yet the master does that with his least capable servant. So what does that tell you? It tells you that not only is the master generous, not only is the master wealthy, but he also has high expectations of what each of these servants is going to do. And when the master left on his journey, he he entrusted these, this money to his servants, and they all went out and did various things with it. The first two servants did what the master asked. They went and invested the money in various things. We don't know what they 
invested it in, hopefully not FTX. Um, but in any case, they went out and made these investments, and they had a, a return so great that they doubled their money. They doubled their money. So instead of five talents, the first servant now has ten. Instead of two talents, the, the second servant now has, has, um, now has four. They have an enormous amount of money. But then you have the last servant. What he does is what you would commonly do in the ancient world if you were worried about invaders. And he dug a hole he stuck his master's money in the hole and uh, covered it up and hopefully made himself a little map with X marks the spot, right? So he could find it again. And then he just sat on his duff and waited. Verse 20 and 21, um, you see the master return and he calls his servants to account for the resources he's given them. And 2021, we see the report and reward of the first servant. You've given me five talents, here's five more. Uh, the guy had 30,000 days wages, now he has 60,000 days wages. It's a phenomenal return on his investment, but don't miss what the master says. You see it? You have been faithful over what? A little how rich is a guy who considers 250 years wages a little? Well, I'll just say he has nicer shoes than me. <laughs> and probably a nicer house and nicer car than me, right? This is a guy who regards 250 years worth of work as a little bit. He says, I will set you now over much. I don't know what much is in comparison to this, but if that's a little, much is really a lot. A lot. Enter into the joy of your master. That's my favorite line in this whole passage. Enter into the joy of your master. In other words, Come celebrate with me. Come celebrate with me. And he calls him good and faithful. Good and faithful. I'm not sure what all this means exactly. Good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master. But I, I'm thinking that it's Jesus' way of telling us that those who are faithful enter into the kind of joy that only Jesus can give us and the kind of joy we've been longing to experience all of our lives. All those things, you know, when you go have retail therapy somewhere and you're like, oh, if I can just buy that, that'll make me. I can just go eat at that restaurant. That'll be really good. That'll bring me joy. I can just go on vacation with my spouse to this place. That'll be joyful. And do those things bring joy? They can. For a while. 
Enter into the joy of your master. Heaven is a joy-filled place. And no one is more joyful than Jesus. Enter into your master's joy. Uh, Notice when the second servant comes, he gets the same evaluation. And he hears exactly the same words. Even though he received less, and he made less in absolute terms. Right? He didn't didn't take two and turn it into ten. He took two and turned it into four. But he got the exact same commendation, the exact same joy, the exact same blessing from the Master. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. Again, this is a lot in our terms. You've been faithful over a little bit. I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your Master. But with the third servant, With him, the master is not pleased. Look at verses 24 and following. This servant, when he comes, comes bearing the master's original gift. He hasn't stolen any of it, but neither has he put it to use as the master instructed. It it simply sat there, protected, but unused all of this time. And and here we find out the, the reason for that. And the reason is what this servant thinks of his master. His servant calls him a hard man. Do you see that? I knew, I knew that you are a hard man who reaps where he didn't sow and gathers where he didn't scatter any seed. In other words, he thinks that the master is what? Wicked, a hard man and lazy, collecting where he didn't plant. In other words, he thinks the master is some demanding fat cat. This is what most most people think of their boss, right? (laughs) That he sits back in that office having a brandy and a cigar, and I'm down here working in heat and sweating, and he's just collecting. Right? He's wicked and lazy. He profits from other people's sweat while he does nothing. And this is a slanderous accusation at best, especially considering how richly the master has rewarded the other two servants. Is he wicked? No. Is he lazy? No. He's been off doing things. That's why he's entrusted his servants with the property to begin with. But this servant decides based on his view of the master, well, I'll protect his money, but I'm not going to expend one ounce of my labor on making him any more of it. How does the master respond? He says, you are a wicked and lazy not good and faithful servant. The servant's refusal to put the master's money to work as he was instructed is not a morally neutral act. It's rebellion and laziness, both of which are sin. And further, the master calls out the servant based on his evaluation of the master. He does not accept the characterization of being a hard man. 
You see that? He repeats what the, what the servant said, except for the part about being a hard man. Like, I'm not, I'm not a hard man. But he confronts his servant by saying to him, if you thought I was the kind of guy who wanted to profit without working, then why didn't you profit without working? You could just stick it in the bank and I'd have profited and you wouldn't have to work and I wouldn't have to work either one of us. And that would be the minimum, right? If you want to do the absolute minimum, not only would my money be protected, but I would get interest. You know, passbook savings pays 2%, bud. What are you doing? Come on. Put it in a CD. I got something. Instead, I got nothing. In reality, this servant is simply lazy and rebellious, and now he's making excuses to his master by slandering the person who gave him this amazing gift. And finally, look at what, what happens to both the servant and to the talent he was given. First of all, the talent is given to the servant who... Do you notice how this reads? who has, present tense, ten. Now that ought to stick in your brain a second. Who did the property belong to? The master. The guy took his five talents and he made five more. And what did the master let him do? He let him keep it all. All of it. Isn't that amazing? And then, because he was faithful and the other guy was unfaithful, he's like, well, you know what? I, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll take the money from the guy that was unfaithful and give it to the guy who was really faithful and just bless him even more. That's a staggering. Maybe if you think about what you would do with like an extra $11 million. <laughs> I mean, I think I could stay entertained for a while <laughs> on that, right? At least a few weeks. And we would have some, we would have some, some fun dinners at my house and y'all would be invited. It would be great. Um, can you imagine this? And that's what the master does. And then the man himself, and this is really tragic, the man himself is cast into hell. That's what being cast into the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth means. And this word of judgment is given to everyone who has, more will be given and he will have an abundance, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So, men and women, I'm going to say this again. I love you. And it is vitally important that we know for sure which set of words we're going to hear on Judgment Day. Amen? I very much want everyone in this room, everyone whom I love, 
to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Not cast him, cast her into the outer darkness. There is nothing more important than knowing which set of evaluations you're going to hear. Amen? Not one thing that is more important than that. I don't know who's playing today at noon, but I can tell you it's not more important than this. Besides that, what else is this passage teaching us? Not only that there is a difference between the two, but it, but we want to understand clearly what it is teaching. This passage is not is not like the bumper sticker that I saw that says Jesus is coming. Look busy. <laughs> okay, that's not the objective. Busyness and righteousness are not the same thing. On top of that, it's also not teaching us that salvation is ultimately by works. That believe in Jesus and do all this stuff and then you will hear good and faithful. What it's telling us is this. Is that while Jesus' salvation is based neither on busyness nor sufficient good deed doing. But it is always a gift given to us by grace, and it comes to us as something received as a gift, not something we work for or earn. How did these servants get their master's gift? We're told you. It was a gift given to them. And Jesus' salvation comes to us in identically the same way. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. You don't receive it um, as, uh, as something merit-based is given to you as a gift from God whenever you put your faith in Jesus Christ. When you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and raised from the dead, then you receive eternal salvation as a gift. You receive matchless treasure. The point of all of life is to draw you near to God. Every circumstance, every difficulty, every blessing in your life is designed for one purpose and one purpose only that you might know and understand and worship the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're in suffering and in pain, God put that in your life to draw you to Him, to cause you to look up to Him for deliverance and for salvation. If you're experiencing God's blessing, it is because He intends for you to understand that He is a good God who loves to give lavish gifts to His children and to cause you to thank Him to understand that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no shadow or shifting due to change. That He loves you. All of your life is designed to point you to this conclusion that there is a God in heaven who loves you enough to send Jesus to die for your sin that you might be redeemed from death and hell. And to ensure that you don't leave this life without having put your trust in Him. And some of you are wondering at this point, if that's true, why there's this huge contrast 
between the joy and reward of the faithful servants and the horror and punishment of the wicked and lazy ones. And it is because Jesus is teaching us that there is a strong connection between faith and faithfulness. Between what we really believe about the Master and what we then do with that belief. You see, the first two servants believed that the Master was good and would reward them for their faithfulness if they served Him. The last believed that the Master was wicked and refused to serve Him even though He had given Him a great gift. And what the servants each believed about the Master showed up in their faithfulness to do what the Master wanted with what He had given them. And here's the reality. Every single person in this room has heard the Gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, you heard it today. Just now. And it is the greatest gift in the world. And you will have to decide, if you haven't already, what you're going to do with that gift. You've been given a great treasure. And more than that, if we believe in the promise the Master made to us that He loves us, and that He has forgiven our sins, and that He will one day return with reward for faithfulness, we will not only put our trust in Him and receive eternal life, but we will live so that the Gospel and the gifts of the Holy Spirit that He has given to us also when we believe are multiplied other people so that the gospel becomes obvious as Josh was talking about earlier today it's not that we're saved by works but we're saved to good works and the gospel is multiplying to other people through us just as just as the servant multiplied what the master had given him so we are called to multiply in the same way what the Master has given us. We serve with our gifts in and out of the church. We share the Gospel. We make disciples. In this way, we're multiplying what the Master gave us. And every real believer does these kinds of things with what has been given them by the Master. And so all of us who put our trust in Jesus Uh, receive a treasure, and then we take that treasure we have received in the Gospel and we put it to use. And every person who does that will hear these words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your Master's joy. But everyone who received the treasure of the Gospel, it came in their ear holes or through their eyeballs, and they read it. It was told to them. Believed, in contrast to all that, that the Master is wicked and lazy, and rejected the treasure that He gave. They received the same evaluation that they make of Him coming back to them. Wicked, and lazy, worthless, cast into the outer darkness. So all of us have a choice to make. 
If you haven't believed in Jesus, today is the day to do that. Because He is a good Master who has given good gifts and who delights moreover to give good gifts to us as we follow Him. He multiplies the gifts that we have been given in other people's lives and we get the joy even now of serving Him and following Him. And even greater joy on the day we stand before Him and we hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Our faith should result in faithfulness. In immediately going out from this place to multiply what the Master gave us in other people's lives, blessing Him as we have been blessed. Amen? But I'm not foolish enough to believe that everybody has made that choice. I hope everybody has. I hope everybody will if they haven't. But if you haven't made it, understand there is a very different evaluation that you will hear. And it is not one that you want. And so I'm begging you, if you have not put your trust in Jesus, to do so right now. Because you don't know what day the Master is coming for you. And will call you to account for what He gave you. And not one person in this room has failed to receive a treasure in the Gospel. Don't bury it. Don't give it back to Him intact. Yeah, I heard it. It was preached to me every week at Chillicothe Bible Church in that little town in central Illinois on the frozen tundra. I heard it every week. Here it is. No. The calling is to receive it into your heart, to believe it, and to experience the joy of salvation and then to go forth multiplying it in all worlds. Out of your joy in being given such limitless treasure. Right choice. Amen. I want to hear well done. And I want all of you to hear well done too. So let's pray. God, our Heavenly Father, You are so good, so amazing. You give such incredible gifts and You distribute them widely out of Your riches. Father, You own all things that You give us treasure we can't imagine and we don't even recognize sometimes is the treasure that it is. You've given us Jesus Christ, the Savior who is the Son of God who died on the cross for sin that we might all be made right with You simply by faith, not by any gyrations or gymnastics that we have to perform any certain number of good deeds that we need to do you have given us salvation by grace through faith in Christ and Father that treasure is in our hands and we pray that we would take it into our hearts if we haven't already put our faith in Jesus and then multiply the treasure we've been given in blessing other people, making disciples in all the world. 
And Father, I pray that we would all hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Come enjoy your master's happiness. Because you are a good God. And we do not want to miss your goodness for anything in all the world. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.